Heavenly Father, you promise to accomplish a purpose for which you send your word, and we just invite you to accomplish that purpose in our hearts. Lord, we thank you that we get to celebrate this word with so many today, uh, to hear that we stand by the cross of Christ, to know that we are forgiven and loved. And so from that, renew our sense of peace and joy. Uh, now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, well, as we get going, feel free to take out your worship folders um, and uh, get your Bibles open. We're going to be in Matthew 18, and uh, I wanted to start off with just a simple idea. Uh, it's our first fill-in for today, and it's this, that whatever you have mastered, you now stand above. For example, I don't know if you've ever met a grill master. Someone, it doesn't matter if you throw out them burgers or steak or chicken, by the time they're done firing up that grill, they have a masterpiece on the other end, it's going to be tasty. I consider what it was to be in choir, and by the way, such a great job. Can we just celebrate them again? And perhaps when you're on tour, when you see the songs that you're doing, you're like confident. You're like, I know exactly what notes to hit, what the words are. We got the harmonies and the blend. And so there's just this quiet confidence that we got this. And you do to the glory of God. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for your work. Uh, for me, I haven't mastered a lot, but I remember playing video games and uh, coming to the end of a game called Mario Brothers. And uh, whenever you got to this point, you kind of had mastered that game. And, and now I stood above waiting for Mario 2 and Mario 3. That's just the way that life works. We've come to discuss something more superior than Mario Brothers. We're here to discuss the God of the universe. And the question I have for you is this. Will we ever get to a point where we master the idea of God and stand above? Now, I had the uh, assumption that going to seminary was going to help me become a master. I, I had this idea that after seminary, I'd be the God answer man. You ask me about God, well, I, I know God, everything about God, right? I had a professor who said, you know, to do this would kind of be like drinking Lake Michigan a glass at a time. You don't have the time or capacity to master everything about God. And yet, in our faith life, what I've seen so many times is that in a childlike faith, we accept many things. As we grow into adulthood, we start challenging the things of God. We start questioning, is this really true? Uh, maybe we had experiences, a tragic circumstance, or, or, or maybe something we just didn't understand, and now we have these questions that stand in the way of our faith. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. In fact, as a pastor, it's very observable where this point is. For many people, it is when they get out of high school and do that next thing. For many people, it is college. In fact, what is very observable in our age is that college, perhaps, is the most critical point in any person's faith life. What you do after high school is going to matter so, so much. And let me explain why. It's because it's then that you have some logical arguments over the faith that your parents might have given you and your professors might have given you. It is then that you establish a routine that maybe does not have time to include a personal devotional life, does not have time to include a worship life. It is then you're so concerned about what you're gaining, not considering holding on to Jesus in fact, if you don't believe me that college is a critical point in the faith life, I just wanted to share some stats from Barna Group. Uh, consider what Barna said. Barna said, 
and estimates that roughly 70% of high school students who enter college as professing Christians will leave with little to no faith. These students usually don't return to their faith even after graduation. As Barna projects, 80% of those reared in church will be disengaged by the time they are 29. Those are sobering statistics. And I know God can work in all of us, shield us by his spirit, but because I have a lot of young people and you were on my heart as I was preparing, can I just tell you this? That perhaps bigger than the college you choose is the Christians you choose to associate with. Perhaps bigger than your class schedule or your work schedule is that in your schedule you make time to read the Bible and worship. Perhaps bigger than anything you gain, whether a diploma or knowledge, is that you don't lose Jesus Christ and him as Savior, that you hold him near and dear to your heart because eternity's at stake. And we're simply not here that long. May God give you the ability to hold on by that spirit. Well, maybe if you didn't go to college, at one point or another, uh, you did wrestle with what it was to, to grow into adulthood with what was passed on as a childhood faith. And maybe even today, there are things that you wrestle with, questions you might have from the experiences of life. And to all of this, Jesus speaks something that is so valuable for our hearts. To all of this, Jesus gives us a hard truth that if we accept it, can bring peace to our questions and settle our restless hearts. Do you know what he says? Today he says to us that hard truth, become like a child. And if you're taking notes, what does becoming like a child mean? Becoming like a child means to stand below. That when it comes to our allegiance to God, when it comes to hearing his word, we let him speak. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so we're going to open the word of God, and today uh, it's Matthew chapter 18, a quick typo, so it's going to be on the screen, not, not in your worship folders. Feel free to follow on the screen these words that we're going to discuss just a little bit. It says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, placed the child among them, and said, truly I tell you, unless you change, become like one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of the little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. These are powerful words. All are invited to know Jesus, including children, as we'll see in a baptism today. May God bless our brief discussion of these words. Would anyone else agree that maybe children don't know what is always best to do? For example, if you have a three- to five-year-old and you let them choose whatever they wanted to eat, what do you think they'd choose? I know when I had little kids, it would be ice cream. It'd be ice cream for breakfast and lunch and dinner. It would not be healthy at all. If, if they got to choose what to do, would they ever clean the house or share their toys? Probably not. If they got to choose um, their hygiene... When do you think they would shower or bathe? <laughs> Little kids don't always know what's best to do. Uh, that was illustrated in an old movie called Big Daddy, and uh, here we got a guy with a sun hat and a strainer because when children choose, this is just what they choose, right? I consider how this relates uh, to you and I, and we are children of a heavenly father, aren't we? 
That's what the choir sang about. That's what we confess at Amazing Love. We are children of a Heavenly Father. And consider what a good father does. A good father does not let children decide everything. A good father intervenes and says, no, you can't do that. You can't eat that. You can't wear that. And I just wanted to pause with you and celebrate our good Heavenly Father. In fact, maybe celebrate him for something we don't always consider. But celebrate him for the times he said no. When we pray so fervently, like, God, if we only had that, if we could do that, then we'd be good. And lovingly he says, no, that wouldn't be good. Praise God for all the times he didn't allow us to enter that job that would have maybe torn us from him. Praise God for the times he didn't allow us to go into a relationship that would have influenced us in the wrong way. Praise God as you apply for college if you get a not an acceptance letter because God knew on the other side of that he had a better plan for you somewhere to stay close to him rather than that college. Praise God that he's a God who says no. I was consider this when it comes to the life of Paul. Paul at one point wanted to go to Asia and spread the gospel. And consider what it says in Acts chapter 16. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Myasia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. That's a good Heavenly Father. And so if you're taking notes, here is our next takeaway. To become like a child is to accept God's way over our own way. And it's not bad to have our own plans. It's not bad to have our own dreams. Not bad to apply to many different colleges. But it is really, really good to be appropriately flexible. To say, God, I had this idea. I thought it would be good. But your idea of what is good is better than mine. In fact, I love what James tells us about what it is to pray and seek God in all things. James, the brother of Jesus, said, when people say today or tomorrow we'll go this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in all your arrogant schemes. And so how good it is to say, God, your will above mine. But there's another way that becoming like a child is really good. And... Um, as uh, the choir is here in Chicago, something happened in Chicago that's kind of interesting this past week. Uh, I think just yesterday. Uh, did you hear about this? We uh, dye our, our river green um, because the, the water is so clean anyway. We, let's add some dye in it, right? Um, and, and with St. Patrick's Day, uh, we got you some, some great donuts, some St. Patty's donuts. Uh, that's what we do here, some good food. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, but my wife kind of carries along this tradition for St. Patty's Day. Um, and she's a preschool director. And, and what's really fun about working with three- and four-year-olds is that uh, they can believe almost anything. I mean, she, she can tell them almost anything. And for St. Patrick's Day, uh, this is how she uh, decorates their um, area. And so you see the green and the glitter. And, and what she tells everyone is that a leprechaun has come to their classroom. A leprechaun who's mischievous has tore up their bathroom and what I uh, tend to, to, to believe is that they actually accept that word from my wife. They're looking for the leprechauns. They wonder, you know, because why would she, who we trust our teacher, why would she lie to us, right? Children accept and believe, don't they? And maybe you've recognized this where you didn't need to always give them an explanation for this or that because they just trust you. 
when we grow up as an adult, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to the faith is that we don't always trust. We require God to make sense to us rather than just him speaking. In fact, it was just a couple weeks ago I had a conversation with a gentleman and we were discussing predestination. <laughs> it's a pretty heady teaching. And what we were discussing and, and what he couldn't wrap his mind around is, is it seems kind of, well, unfair. It seems kind of, well, illogical. And I wanted to enter into that conversation just a little bit with you uh, to, 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 to go with me here. What we're talking about is what it says in Ephesians, this beautiful, um, grace-filled promise that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace. The comfort for believers, for, for you and I, is he knows your name. And he wrote it in the book of life. And even before you could do a thing, he said, I want you to be with me forever. And we consider how many people he wants this for. In 2 Timothy, it says this, that God wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so the two logical things that we have just discussed is this, that God saves all of people. It's not according to their ability, and he wants this for all. So then the logical question is, well, why aren't all saved? And this man who was wrestling with justice was considering, well, it must mean then that God, he predestined some for damnation. But that's not what God has said. That might be a logical overflow. That might be what you're thinking. But we have to accept what God has said. And in place of that, look at what John says. He came to that which was his own, but what happens? His own don't always receive him. And so the God who was the atoning sacrifice for all of sins, the God who predestines, some have that ability to reject. But here again, we take what God says, even over some logic that we might get other places. But go with me into more. Today we have a baptism. And we know this is a washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That God takes a hold of this young Emerson and makes her his. And I wish I could describe how that happens. Scientifically, I would just say like, and, and here's, you know, the part of the water that is kind of magical and it's, it's now. And, and I have no clue. All I can tell you is this is what God promises. Today we receive the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, this is my true body and my true blood. And I wish I could tell you how that happens. How can you truly be present? And all I can say is, it's, it's what he said. Even the concept of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, and yet one God. I wish I could logically explain that. I had this book with an apple that had skin, core, and fruit, but, but still it defies my logic. And so what is better is to accept what he said and seek it deep into my heart. And so if you're taking notes, this is the next note. Become like a child and accept God's thoughts over your own. In fact, hasn't God reminded us that he is higher? <laughs> it's kind of like trying to understand something 
complexly made, whether it's your car, whether it's a piece of technology, a computer, and, and some people have to break it down in layman's terms because it's technology is so much higher than you, and this is our God tenfold. In fact, in Isaiah ch- chapter 55, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. They're so much higher. You know, in my journey to understand God, one of the very helpful books uh, was by Dr. Siegbert Becker called The Foolishness of God. If you're wrestling with some questions that logically just don't make sense to you, I'd really recommend this book because it gave so much peace. And, and you can see the subtitle. It says, The Place of Reason in the Theology of Martin Luther. And, and, and here's a quote from that book, that we can't try to change what Scripture says in order to understand it. No, with the Holy Spirit, we believe in what Scripture says and don't allow our human reason to dig in the way of faith. But believe in what God tells us, realizing his wisdom is far greater than ours. God invites us to a childlike faith that accepts him at his word. But there's a reason we call this the hard saying of Jesus. Because it's not easy to be like a child. In fact, the rub is where Jesus said this. Whoever takes the lowly position of a child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that was the point he was trying to make, that we should be humble, that we shouldn't seek to stand above. And this is hard on all of us. It was hard for the disciples. Remember, they came to Jesus and they said, we want to know who's greatest. They wanted to stand above. And and he answers, no, this is how you're great. You stand below. And sometimes, if we're honest, when our way doesn't match up with God's way, we say, well, I'd rather stand above and have my way this time, God. And sometimes, if we're honest, and instead of God's thoughts, we say, well, I like my thoughts better, and God, until you explain it, until you make sense to me, I'm not going to trust you, I'm not going to listen to that. And we sin against our God. And yet, how glorious are his thoughts. How glorious are his ways. Would you consider the gospel with me? Who would have thought? What human adult would have put together the idea that the breaking of God's command and the solution to the breaking of God's command is God? That the way we're right with him is not a sacrifice of us, but the sacrifice of him. Dear friends, there's nothing like this. No other religion has the solution to our relationship with God being the sacrifice of God himself. Who would have thought that Jesus, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, who we will see face to face reigning at the right hand, who would have thought that he'd come as a baby, wrapped in humility, from crib to cross, standing below even the evil of men so that he could be our sacrifice. It's not something I would have come up with. Who would have thought that this God wants all people to be saved? Because human logic would surely say, well, certain people surely have to be excluded. Certain sins surely can't be paid for. And that's not what he says. He says Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And who would have thought That you and I, not by our own works of righteousness, but simply by clinging to the righteousness of Jesus, could have peace 
and security and victory. It's not what's logical to us, but it's what God says. Redeemed completely by his grace. How beautiful. How glorious. How much higher, how much better than our thoughts are the incredible thoughts of God. In fact, in Isaiah 55, when he says that great passage, the context was that of his grace. The verse, before my thoughts are higher, is this verse. Let, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Who does that? Who lets any of the wicked get mercy or free pardon? Our God does. Because he's better than we are. Because his thoughts are so good. But before we go, what would it be like if you and I sunk this truth deep into our souls? If we lived in this perspective that we can stand below God the rest of our days. You know, someone who came to mind as I was considering this concept was the man named Job. Do you remember his story? Let me refresh you. Job is a man who lost everything on one day. He lost his cattle. He lost his kids. After this, he loses his health. And if anyone was halfway worthy to get an answer from God on why this all happened, it seemed to be Job. If anyone seemed to be deserving, maybe Job, the righteous one. And yet at the very end, God shows up. And instead of giving Job an answer, and here's why this happened, and here's what that happened, and putting a neat, tidy bow on his experience, what he invites Job into is the majesty of who he is. What he invites Job to consider is the splendor of his creation. He says to Job, where were you when I stretched out the sky? Did you tell me how far to make it go? He looks at animals that don't even exist anymore, like the behemoth and the Leviathan, and he says, did you tell me how to make them? With what splendor? And Job's reaction to all of this, he says, surely I spoke of things that were too wonderful for me. For you and I, as we enter into who God is, something that is so great about him is that you can walk with him all of your life and still learn more and still be astounded and still go, wow. Because we'll never see how far and wide, how deep and how long is his love, but it's a journey that lasts a lifetime. And when it comes to our God, look at what he's clearly told us. That he's a God who hides himself. In fact, we even speak about the mystery of Christ that's only revealed through the Spirit. And if we take this truth and we sink it in our soul, I believe becoming like a child leads us to live in the glory of God, in awe of it. What would that awe look like? I was trying to have it come to mind, and I consider what it might be like in being an astronaut. Can you imagine if you're hung by a cord, looking over this vista, trying to make sense of it all. And, and you probably wouldn't have all the scientific rationale of like, why is it glowing there and what's going on here and why am I floating? Like, you'd probably just be taking in the immensity of everything that you're seeing. This is what I think it'd be 
to stand before God. God, you're so much bigger. You're so much more glorious. You're indescribable. You're incomprehensible. You're, you're so good. And so becoming like a child is, is simply to say with Job, surely there are things too wonderful for me as I stand below. And for the rest of my life, there are going to be things too wonderful for me. And so our next step today, our, our homework, if you will, is this. Why don't we spend some time adoring God in prayer over the things he says that we don't understand? What this would look like is in our prayer life, God, I don't know how right now you're working everything for my good. <laughs> I can't explain it, but I thank you for doing it. God, I don't know how you can be with me at all times in all places. I don't know where you are right now, but you say you are, and I believe it. God, I don't know how you can call me a sinner, loved and forgiven, how you can call me your child, and yet you do. God, it doesn't make sense to me why Jesus would sacrifice himself as the king of glory and king of kings, and yet he did. God, I surely don't understand the resurrection from the dead. Three days later, how dead people come back to life, and yet you said it, so I believe it. Our opportunity today is to call out, God, you're bigger than I thought you were. You're more glorious, more beautiful, even more mysterious than I once knew, and I accept it. May this hard truth of becoming like a child speak peace to your restless thoughts and hearts. May it give you confidence in a God who's so bigger and grander and more beautiful. Amen.